Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. This person is the person I'm going to speak to on multiple occasions. She has an idea of what I'm talking about. I don't have to re-explain it all. And I have a feeling that, uh, you know, she gave me a good enough feeling that I think this is going to uh, get done. It's lovely. You know, everyone's the, the last thing you want to hear when you finally get the right person is a sentence that goes like this. By the way, I thought you'd like to know I'm retiring from my job at the end of the day. <laughs> this is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. We're very happy for Fine Sin. We're very happy that worked out. The odds were very much against it working out. I want to thank George Millay for sending a beautiful note. He always sends beautiful paintings with his notes, which he types out on an old typewriter, which make me ha- makes me happy. I want to thank my son yesterday. About what time did you come over? Walks in the door. Well, this was post our dinner, so probably 6.45. Yeah, something like that. Uh, pre the captain's bath. Walks in the door with what in your hand? A pint of ice cream. McConnell's Ooh. coffee ice cream. You Explain where you got it. Because my first question was, you pay ten twenty nine. I did not pay I got a note from Greg Garcia. I paid, I think it was six ninety nine at the Ooh. local Wegmans. I'm walking through the freezer section, picking up some assorted fries and uh, I think some uh, veggie egg rolls. And I see this like a beacon of light at the end of the row. And it's really, really good. I, I got up a... coffee and mint chip. Liz, oh. disappointed to find out that not both pints were to stay at the house. <laughs> Only one. That's right. So you brought it over, and I'm deeply appreciative. I had gotten a note the other day from Garcia, which he said, rush out to California right now, and he had a picture of this ice cream for like six seventy nine or yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's because of the big that. California exodus. 1029? Yeah. No, this was, this, yeah, ten twenty nine normally. May, uh, How this, did you qualify for the discount? Do you have to be a member of the club? So, like it's no, safe? it did not have any one of those stipulations. You know, three or four dollars off. It just seemed to be this was the regular listed price. Not sure if there is some sort of a sort of like uh, French wines right now. They're trying to kill some of the production. Who knows? That was great. So I haven't had it yet, but I'm going to. Start oh, I was it hoping. Tonight. I was hoping that you uh, could no, give us a little taste review. I work in order. And I had an not still open, stuck on Oatly, are you? No, I had an open Hagen Dazs chocolate, <laughs> an ice cream like product. I finished the open Hagen Dazs <laughs> chocolate. Hagen Dazs. Now you're just over here bragging. No, I mean mm, no. I could I, drive a Cadillac. No, on right. my Hagen Dazs. <laughs> so <laughs> last night, let me tell you what happened last night. I'm going back and forth, of course, with the socialite and with Chuck Todd. The Nats are doing pretty well. The Nats are up at one point five one after six innings in Toronto. Cabert Ruiz has just hit. A big home run. Carter Keboom has Three hit a home six. run. Hmm? Carter Keboom, who hasn't played in a year and a half. It's another home run. He's got, let me point this out. He's been on the Nats for a week. He has three home runs. That's half the total of Dom Smith, who's been on the Nats playing every single day for five full months. All right, so Carter Keboom makes Okay, again, me- bigger story. One of them was supposed to be a replacement for a, you know, a decade-long corner hasn't infielder. And hasn't happened. But sort he's of got- had the yips when it came to striking out. He's got two hit- He had two hits last night. Carter Keeboom. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good, even though Mackenzie Gore had a pitch count, an incredible pitch count, like in the 60s in the second inning. So you knew he wasn't going to go long, and he wasn't particularly sharp. He wasn't as bad as Josiah Gray the other day, but he wasn't yeah, but particularly sharp. for the last couple sharp. weeks, all the starters have gone pretty deep. Yeah, that's right. They go six all the time. Well, Gore can't go six. He can only go five because his pitch count is 106 after five innings. He settles down <laughs> in the fourth and the fifth, but it's too high a pitch count. Then they go to the relievers. And again, now they're up five to one. They go to Mason Thompson, who you might remember from a few days ago when he pitched to five batters and gave up five hits and four earned. All the relievers have fantastic hair. Um, yes, they do. Very long hair. Very wonderful hair. Thompson gives up one earned in one and two-thirds. Then they go to Hunter Harvey. Still coming back from the DL, basically. He gives up one earned in one and a third, or one and two-thirds, whatever it was. Then they go to Finnegan in the ninth. They're up two in the ninth, right? It's 5-3 in the ninth. It's bases loaded with nobody out on Finnegan. Let me read this to you, what happened on the scoring. Kevin Biggio singles to shortstop. Kevin Kiermeyer singles to shallow center. Biggio goes to second. George Springer walks. Kevin Kiermeyer to second. Biggio to third. They're up by two runs. You just want to set up the Little League out anywhere. Yeah, they're up by two runs at that point, and they got bases loaded against their great closer with nobody out. He gives up one, but he ends the game. I had fallen asleep by that point and woke up this morning to Chuck Todd basically saying, I can't believe this. I mean, they really made us sweat. But they win the game. Glad to see you guys are watching that wild card race so closely. Nats win the game. I feel good about that. Yesterday was um, 
I'll be self-indulgent. I'm always self-indulgent, but I'll be self-indulgent in front of my son who it's will appreciate show. this. Yesterday was the last Tuesday morning that I was going to be able to play golf at Columbia with an early start time because once September comes along, they move the first start time from 7.30 to at least 8 and maybe 8.15. And I have to be on a call with Matt Keller at 11 o'clock. So I'm, I'm not, I can't finish. I can't even get to 15 at that point. So yesterday with a 7.30 start, I was able to go out there and play in the confidence that I'd be done by 11 o'clock. Because when you play with Al Serafino and Peter Hicks and Robin Buffalo, you're going to play in three hours and 15 minutes. As it should be. And that's what we do all the time. We're done. By 10.45. We're off 18 by 10.45. Because it was the last day that I was going to be able to play in the early slot and somebody else books the time, I don't book the time, for which I'm grateful. I was hoping I'd play well. I'm going to go hole by hole for the first six holes. I start out with a five. I I can't drive the ball far enough on number one at Columbia to have a second shot into the green. Yeah, we have a, we have a short par four, dog leg to it. the right, but there is one tree for dad. It's about 100 yards away from the green, but it makes the hole significantly longer because you have to play around it. Can't do it. I can't do it. So I'm always hitting a second shot to hit a third shot on to maybe get five. I hit a third shot on. I putt the ball long. It's my first putt of the day, about eight to 10 feet long. And I make the putt for five. I'm pretty happy about that. I go to number two, a hole that I par often because where I tee off from, I can get it down the hill. But I didn't get it down the hill yesterday. I hit my second shot into a bunker on the right. Hit my third shot out of the bunker, but way across the Hey, I got six. I got six on the hole. I'm feeling bad now. I got to start out five, six. So I'm plus three. I don't know. You're good enough. Sounds like good enough to get Zach Johnson to give you a call. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, on the third hole. I get a five. I play the hole well. I'm okay. But on the fourth hole, which is a par three, I get a six. Oh, it fools you, doesn't it? I get a six. So now I'm 22 after four holes, and I'm plus five or six. It's such a bad golfer thing to add up the entire aggregate as you're going versus just your position relative to par. Anyway, anyway, I am through six holes, 33. I'm not doing well. I'm not doing well at all because what I try to do, I always try and get through nines at 45 and 45. I try and 90 is par for me, and I very rarely hit it anymore. And so I'm in a lot of trouble. This is going, this is way too self-indulgent, isn't it? No, keep it going. Let's go to the back nine. (laughs) I then go, I then par seven. I par eight. I hit it to six feet on eight, and I birdie nine. So you're at 43. I'm at 43, and I'm feeling really good about myself. The last Forget 12, that call for Kelleher. The last 12 holes on the course, <laughs> I shoot something like, I don't know, 53, 52, 53. I'm feeling pretty good about that. I finish 85, 86. Yeah, but it's one of the most magical parts of Columbia. If you get through those first six holes, you can put a score together. So I was really happy about that because it was the last time. And I'm bragging because I've been saying for a long time how terrible I am. And I've been terrible. And the good feeling was this. So I guess the issue is you're playing with me. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I played terribly with a lot of people. I played terribly for the first six holes. I didn't hit. I didn't hit a terrible shot after that. I had some shots that weren't good. You know, I had some shots that you'd take back and say, "I wish I did better on." For that. A reminder that golf is a game of misses. If but you keep the ball in front of you, I didn't hit a bad shot after that, and I was really happy when I was done. How many rounds of golf do you think that you have played in what we'd call the summer calendar? Let's just go. May 15 to today? Probably three a week. Only, you're, you're maybe only... more. I mean, because I had a couple of days, a couple of weeks where I played too much, but I got so bad when I played too much. Like, if I played five or six days in a row by the This is the socialites issue. You sort of run out of days where you should play. Yeah, you got to stop every once in a while. But I was, I had to cut back a little because of the problem with my right leg, which is now better. The doctor believes it's better now. I sent her a picture yesterday. She, she said, it's better. You're better. So we're, we're good with the compression sock. This is now part of your look. I'm going to have to do it. A, lo- a couple of people said to me, you ought to wear two of them. One looks stupid. Two is going to look stupid, too, but at least you'd, you'd I think we can get you a matching uh, shooter sleeve. You know, for my we, arms? Yeah. There we go. A yes. lot of people wear those. Yeah. So anyway, all right, let's get out of here. And people are going to say, he's lost his mind. It's too <laughs> self-indulgent. I mean, we expect... We can, no, we can hear it in your voice. You're really happy about this. Yeah, I played a great w- round. I, 
I mean, that was, you know, that was as good as I've played in a, in a, a long birdie? time. Yeah, I rolled one in from about 15 feet, uh, curving right to left putt. I rolled it in at 100 miles an hour. If oh, you got to take some of that breakout. You know, I, I was... I was thrilled. I mean, I was really thrilled that I played well because I didn't expect to, especially after the first six holes. I really did not expect to at all. And at one point, like, I just started screaming at myself about how terrible I was. You know, nobody, no, even the guys you like don't want to hear you scream. No, that's show prep for PTI. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back with Michael Wilbon, right? Wilbon is, is with us today? That is correct. All right, I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. These are Ted and Alice Miller featuring Two Ra. They send this in from Nebraska. They say we really wanted to submit some of our latest work. And as always, thank you for your support of indie artists. First track is a song we released as a hip-hop rendition we recorded back in 2014 titled Birds and Bees. The original is a more folk-type vibe. After the original recording, Alice and I made a promise to each other that one day it would be released as a hip-hop version. We were totally blessed to get hooked up with Tura. He did an amazing job bringing this project to life. Tura also played college football for Concordia University. Isn't that interesting? I hope I pronounced that right. It's just spelled number two, R-A capital H. I assume that's Tura. I'm not the world's biggest hip-hop guy. But again, it's called Birds and Bees. Plays in Michael Wilbon. Where are you? And what were you doing on Monday? Because I know you were excited about it. Tony, I'm in Scottsdale uh, right now, and just uh, it's a 36 hour visit. I'm not even going to be here a second night. I'm going to leave on the red eye to come to Washington. Uh huh. And uh, so I'm in Scottsdale. And I, 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 when I say I never come here in July and August, I mean I never come here in July and August. I moved into this house in August, actually, but that's like the only time. In- 19 years that they're coming to Scottsdale that, I'm, that I've been here in July and August. And so I got to sample what people hear about all the time, which is 115. You wow. look down at your car dash and it says Whoa. 111 and 113. Oh. Oh. You just go, oh my God. The temperature breaks on Friday. It goes to like 96 you know, or something. That is more than tolerable here when it's 10% humidity. It's actually my favorite weather here is in the 90s with no humidity and total sunshine. But I'm, I'm here. Uh, I'm here just, you know, 36 hours. I needed – it was a, a maintenance day. You and you and I have maintenance now at our advanced At day. our age. Yep, at our yep, age. Yep, and, and you have these people, of course, in Washington, and I have them. But um, tell, tell the people here. what you did on Monday, what you were Monday, out there for. Monday, Tony, I uh, – for the fifth straight time or fourth or fifth, I forgot who's count now. Um, I was one of the MCs, along with Amanda Renner, previously Amanda Balionis. People who watch golf know Amanda, because she's doing all of the interviewing and reporting and does some other on-course stuff um, for CBS. Amanda uh, and I co-hosted Steph Curry's charity event, his big charity event. Again, we, we've done it every year. And it's one of the most extraordinary things I get to do in my life. Because Steph Curry, you know, people say, you know, Steph Curry, you know, everybody slurps Steph Curry. Is he really that good? Yeah, he's that good. He's that good a guy. Yes, he is. And, you know, Tony, Oakland's been hit hard by a lot of stuff. Not just teams moving, but Oakland, like a lot of big cities, you know, it's a struggle just to get through the day if you are, uh, if you don't have money. And, I mean, school systems and, 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 and books and all the things that, that kids need. It's, it's a real struggle for Oakland. And coming to the rescue with enormous dollars and resources and human resources and, and, and compassion and charisma are Steph and Aisha Curry. Steph and his wife just raised amounts of money 
and not just the money. You know, again, the human resources that that are at play. And they, you know, um, I, I I know because I'm from the south side of Chicago. It's not all that different city to city to city. Washington D.C. is is a little different, um, a little more resources at play, but not much. And so the people who come to help out Steph Curry who say, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, you sign me up, I'm with him." They include all the time, you know, Peyton Manning. Peyton wasn't there Monday, but Peyton Manning and 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 Steve Young, our dear friend Steve Young, and Larry Fitzgerald, and you know, I, 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 I they're they're often mayors plural. Condi Rice, they're people who come and just say, "Yeah, I'm I'm supporting whatever he's supporting." You like Curry. You not only like Curry, you like the whole Warriors deal from the GM through the coach through the players. What is it about? You know, you find fault with a lot of individual people, but you generally like the Warriors. Why? Yeah, I love them. People, the kind of people they are. First of all, they're great at what they do. And you and I. Initially, the initial attraction is often what people are in sport, in their respective sport. But the Warriors, just they're smarter, Tony. They're smarter and more decent you know, than, than most. The people who comprise that team. Andre Iguodala, who I've gotten to know and who was there all the time. And, you know, they're just... Festus Azili was here. He's been retired for years. He was there. And it's always... They're just... You know, I, I've known people before this group of warriors, but I've known this group, known people earlier in the in the process. Chris Mullen has been a friend for a long time, but yeah, but Steph Curry leads the way with this. He does, and and he and his wife, Tony, they during COVID, eat, learn, and play is their mission and their foundation. Eat, learn, and play. It's that simple. That's what they raise money for for kids to eat, learn, and play. They they distributed like 1.7 million meals at one point during the during the pandemic, and so what they do in Oakland, that people come up to me and say, "Look, I, I live in Oakland. These, these people are rich on their own now, right? I mean, they're loaded people, black, white, brown, yellow, it doesn't matter." And they say, "I live in Oakland, and my kids go to public school, and the only reason we can we're out here, we come and do this. Yeah, we we like the Warriors. We do this because of Steph Curry." And you, I've met all these people now for four years, and they come back and they come and they come again. That walked up to me the other day and said, "Mike, we never met. I don't think." But I just want to say hello. I'm Buster Posey. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, wow, wow, Buster Posey. And so I stood and I just talked to Buster Posey for a while. Hmm. So let you me know, let me stay with Michelle the, Wee, who you know I love. I know Michelle you Wee love Michelle. Anyway. I know, I know. Michelle let me stay Wee with the Warriors for a second. Wee. Yeah, I'm just going to go off a little bit because because one of the great people on the Warriors is Steve Kerr. He's great. He's great. If there was no Jerry West, you might look at the length and breadth of Steve Kerr's career and you might say, whoa, he's he's close. Okay, a lot of he's coaching the World Cup team. Are you paying attention to it? Are we going to win this? Are we the best team? Are we not? We have no stars, Uh, really. I think so. I love this team and I don't want it to be replaced. The the only person I'm I'm cool with adding, if they want to add a star next year for the Olympic team, is Steph Curry. Yeah, or Curry and Booker. You want to be fine, Curry. I don't think Curry's ever won a gold medal. I don't think. Um, if Steph Curry wants to be on this team, if he wants to, and they want him fine, I want these guys, them. I want. This group of guys to play for the Olympic gold medal, and so yeah, so yeah, so so obviously Steve Kerr was not there. I, I right. mean, I, as long as I'm mentioning famous people, Brant Snedeker, Matt Kuchar, Tony from every every sport, there are people who just say yeah, yeah. There are people not from California, Steph Curry, and he's like the Pied Piper. And so this, and Steph, Steph's not the only charitable person in the world. He's not. They, you know, so many people do things with their foundations. And, but, you know, Steph Curry asked you to do this once. And I just say to him, when they call back, I just go, yeah. 
Well, let That's me send nice. you a ticket. No, no, don't send me anything. No, you're paying your own. I, I, I'm, you're paying I'm your coming. Own I'm coming. I'm going to be there. It's at Stanford. And it's, it's, it's one of the great things that, that, that I have been involved with. So, yeah, so let me, let me get doing. to the golf because it's, this is a golf tournament and it segues naturally to yeah. the captain's picks. Um, the three picks. Well, I didn't that, even hear. I didn't even hear who the captain's picks okay, are. Okay, well, the three picks that you would, you would say, oh, hmm, one of them is Brooks Kepka because Got Brooks it, Kepka yeah. turned his back on all his fellow yep. American pros. They picked Brooks yep. Kepka. One of them is Sam Burns, because you go, oh, yep. well, Sam Burns, yep. I, don't, I don't know. What about Sam Burns? And yep. the other is Justin Thomas, who's having a bad yep. year, a You're bad right. year. What are your thoughts right. on those three in particular? Because everybody I, else, the Speeds and Morikawas and Fowlers, of course they belong. Yeah. Of course they belong. I think yeah. I said to you 48 hours ago while I was on the golf course I was with, some uh, famous American golf, successful American golfers, I told you those three, right? I mean, they, yep. Yep. Because, you know, Kepka, for, for people who thought Kepka was going to sort of poison the room, no, he, he died. And they don't feel that way anyway. They feel Kepka's too great a player with the, when the stakes are up. He's a great, he, great he's, player. He's already been in the room. He's yep. been in the room for years before now. That's before right. the last two, Kepka's been in the room. They love Sam Burns and Justin Thomas, who's got a mad respect of his peers. So, yes, so those three guys were the guys that I was told they just didn't see a way around it and didn't want to see a way around it. So there are two people who were left out, for certain. People who did very, very well in the Tour Championships and have won tournaments this year. Lucas Glover won two, and Keegan Bradley won one. And they are left out. And Justin Thomas, of course, stands out because he did not even qualify for the Tour Championships. Now, right. he is 6-2-1 and one in the Ryder Cup. Well, and yeah. and he's, he's dependable in the Ryder Cup, but is it too risky? Do you think it's risky? And Tiger also spoke for him. Tiger loves him. I loves see that, him. Again, that, that's what I'm saying. There was no, from what I was hearing, uh, there was just no doubt. That, that that those guys would be the guys, and so I'm not going to say it's risky. I'm not going to say it's it's a hundred percent fail safe. It's going to work, right? Right. But is it risky? No, it doesn't. It doesn't seem to be in any way risky. And the people in that room, and the people who have been in that room in their lives, they, and, and wearing no sweaters, yeah, they, that's what they think too. So no, no, I'm not going to say it's risky. Okie dokie. All right, I'll yeah. talk to you later. You're going to be on the show, right? No, apparently, so when was the last time you and I did the show together? It's been a long time. It's been over July. a month. Yeah, it's, well, it's it, it was be. not in August. It was not in August. No, it was definitely not in August, because I only worked a couple of days in August, and, and you weren't there, and I know you've worked the last couple of days in August. Yeah, and you weren't there. That's right. Uh, so I paid attention. I, you know, I've, I've really locked into baseball, because I don't care about preseason football. I've really locked into baseball, and the, my Cubs have got me on this roller coaster again. They're, they're one, one nothing over the Brewers last night. How about they're that? much better? How about this guy Brendan Steele going fifteen and three now? He should be Cy Young. This is an interesting thing. The Nats are much better than I thought they would yeah, be. They're they not are. as good yeah. as the Cubs, but they're much better than I thought they would be. The Cubs are yeah. much better than you thought they would be. Much oh, better. Oh, not even close. So and. So I'm hanging. We got this series. The Brewers. We desperately need the second and to win two out of three. Second of, of the final game. Final game is tonight against the Brewers and Wrigley. Final game for now. I think they end the season with three or four against each other, of course. And so I'm I, I'm excited about baseball for a lot of reasons. Obviously, when your when your own team is in, you're very excited. I'm excited about certain elements of football, which are now, you know, it's only a week a week from tomorrow. Regular season starts week from tomorrow, so I'm excited about that. I'm excited about some developments in basketball, which you know, I know it's 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 pre preseason. It's not even anything yet, um, but just being around some of the world's most famous basketball players is, and I know what people are thinking and talking about, and what players are actually thinking and talking about. Um, some of that's exciting, and tennis. You know, tennis is in. Did you watch much tennis yesterday and last night? I d- I no, I watched, I watched the baseball. I don't watch real early in the tennis. I mean, I, mean, I have to get a good. sense of what's going on. Although, is there, isn't there a match 
isn't Caroline Wozniacki making a comeback? Yeah, and comeback, yes. Yeah. Yes, I mean, she's left the booth, and she comes back, and she's playing, and I don't know how effective that's going to be. Caroline Wozniacki's had at least one one child, right? So two. She's doing this thing She has that, two. She has two. You know, you know, people want to think that pitching and hitting is hard. Okay, it is. How about being a mother and giving birth and then coming back and playing professional tennis? It's hard to do. It's hard um, to do. You know, it's so I, I, am, I am fully locked and loaded into the tennis. So, yeah, so I don't have to wade back in slowly. I'm, I'm, uh, I think I'm, we'll see if I'm up to speed, and uh, so I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I'm definitely not up to speed, so I'll talk to you later. I'll talk to All you right, later. Don't. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Sally Jenkins will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Alice and Ted featuring Two Ra. This is a second song that we're playing today. This is a cover, and Ted and Alice Miller say they went through all the channels of getting permission to release it. It's Ted and Alice-style version of the Sex Pistols song, Pretty Vacant. We hope you enjoy the tracks. All the best to you and the crew. Michael, if people like Ted and Alice and their friend Tura want to send us their original music or their covers that they get permission to send us, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. And they play in Sally Jenkins. And those of you who listen to this show religiously know that I read almost all of Sally's brilliant column the other day. And so let's just start where Sally christened this guy with the great name Loco Aragancia. Uh, this is the guy from the Spanish Women's World Cup. Circum- Where are we with this bozo right now? Where are we? Uh, limbo. We're really? in loco limbo. How did that happen? I mean, uh, uh, you know, the Federation should have fired him immediately. Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, you can't stand next to the Queen of Spain and grab your crotch. Okay? <laughs> like, can we just stipulate that that should be unacceptable? Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, he's got lots of friend, powerful friends in the uh, Spanish Soccer Federation. So he's provisionally suspended by FIFA for 90 days while they open an inquiry and the, the, the Spanish uh, Federation is looking into his behavior but, you know, more and more is coming out. I mean, usually with these guys, like, what they show in public is the tip of the iceberg, right? I mean, yes. if, if, uh, if, if previous cases are any indication. So I just have a feeling, I mean, there's already stories. Um, there were even before the World Cup, you know, the Spanish women, about 15 of the players, uh, you know, started to boycott the World Cup. And, in fact, I think about seven of them ended up uh, not playing at all uh, be- over this guy's behavior. So more and more stories are coming about, out about just how he's been behaving, and he's just, he's just not anyone who should be in charge of people. Much let, less, me, you know. let me get very risque here, which I don't usually do on this show. So if, nobody, if people don't like it, we'll talk about it after the show and decide whether to cut it or not. But I remember when I was a sports writer and women for the first time <clears throat> were being given access into locker rooms and Sally being about 10 years younger than I was in that next generation of women who were getting in there. <clears throat> and there were certain athletes who would delight, correct me when I'm wrong, Sal, certain athletes who would delight and just sort of standing around naked trying to embarrass if they could the women sports writers. Do I have this essentially right to this point? Yes, I would say that's, that's yes. And if I'm not mistaken, one of Sally Jenkins' great lines was to look at someone and say, if you water that thing, maybe it'll grow. <laughs> I did I... <laughs> not invent that line. That was a line from Demi Stathopoulos of Sports Illustrated magazine, but I certainly employed it. <laughs> yeah, and I have always given <laughs> you credit. credit for <laughs> I've always given you credit for that line. So let, 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 me, go, let me use that as context here. I, I guess I'm, so, I'm sort of surprised that this... Small item became such a big story. I guess that is just the combination of the attention on the Women's World Cup and the fact that Spain, you know, won it, right? Because, I mean, if this happened in an early round, do you think it would be a big deal? 
I, you know, that's a good question. Uh, probably not, and probably, I mean, I think there's lots of countries where it is happening, and the uh, and soccer's just not as prominent um, as it is in a country like Spain. You know, um, I think, uh, you know, I mean, there's this is not the only women's program that is complaining about its treatment at the hands of their male overlords, right? I mean, yeah. look, it happened here until four years ago, not as badly. But, I mean, look at the uh, National Women's Soccer League. You know, look at some of the coaching complaints you've had there. I mean, you know, it's just, I don't know. It, sometimes I think women's sports are a magnet for, for a-holes, you know. Um, and there's a type of guy that may be drawn um, to these sort of nascent programs because they can, they can lord it over, you know, younger women who are, who are, who are pretty desperate for success and, um, whether it's the Olympic program, you know, uh, in this country, or, I mean, snowboarding has had problems. You know, we're not, I, like, one thing we should not be doing is looking down on Spain, right, for having this, you know, machista jerk. I mean, there's plenty of it here, right? So uh, when I was talking about this the other day, I, you know, I showed my age, and I talked about how mores change and things change, and I talked about probably one of the most famous photographs in the world, the Albert Eisenstadt photograph uh, at VJ Day, I guess it was, in Times Square with the sailor and the woman, just just called right. the kiss. Right. And the joy in that and the exuberance in that. And I said, but you know what? Not only can't that happen now, that probably shouldn't have happened then. Although it was clearly, it's a different world, right? It's a different world. Yeah, it's a different world, and it's a, a world in which... I think more and more fathers are raising their daughters to say, you know, this is what's acceptable, this is what's not. Uh, and sons, too. I mean, um, look, the, the Ohio State uh, doctor um, sexual abuse situation, you had a bunch of 19- um, and 20-year-old men who didn't exactly know what to tolerate and what sexual abuse was. Right. I mean, it's, I just think, I think one of the things, the big changes in the sports world is, is athletes sort of putting their foot down and saying, I'm tired of you treating me like my body is your property, you know, whether it's, and it's all kinds of abuses, right? Whether it's some jerk uh, coach making kids run sprints in 110 degree weather until somebody dies, or, you know, like in the Jordan McNair case, or, or whether it's, you know, a team doctor who's, uh, you know, getting predatory or, yeah, you know, um, you know, Larry Nazar or Richard Strauss at Ohio State. I mean, uh, you know, the, it's like, it's weird. It's kind of like an epidemic, right? It feels like, um, it just feels like there's just one of these stories every week almost. But I think that's a function of the fact that athletes are uh, are saying, you know, enough, I don't have to put up with this just to play. You know, I agree with this. Champion. Uh, I, I also think that it runs concurrently, the sort of explosion in women's sports, now, how yes. many women have become athletes? How many women have become great athletes? How many women are, are so great that a segment of the population, a male segment of the population that didn't care about them before, now wants to watch? Which yeah, leads, I mean, yeah, I, you know, one, of the things, one of the things I used to talk to my dad about when he was still alive was there's something thrilling about the steep arc of performance improvement in women's sports, right? Yes. I mean, just in my career... You know, I went from covering women's basketball when you could barely slip a credit card under the sneakers of some of the women trying to jump on the floor to Candace Parker, right? Um, so it's just, there's just something, and there's something about that that has been absolutely thrilling. And it's the same thing with women's soccer. You go from the 99ers who were, who were plenty good, but the way the Spanish women handled the football on the pitch was breathtaking, right, athletically. Um, so there, there's, I think that people are watching it, not just because they have daughters and because it's, you know, um, some kind of, uh, you know, social engineering or something. They're watching it because there's something genuinely exciting about that arc, you know, the, the, the steepness of the pr improvement and the aspiration in women's sports is sort of electrifying. No, I, I agree with that. You used to see it basically only in two sports. You used to see it in track and field where women's yes. times in the 100 were st 
stunning when compared to men's times from just like 20 years before. You go, wow, that's yeah. really fast. And you saw it in tennis, and you've seen it in tennis for 100 years. I mean, you, yeah. you've, and now you see it in a variety of sports. I'm not trying to make the comparison. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, women are as good as men in basketball. That's stupid. And nobody should even believe that for a second. But the rise in the competence level is really arresting you go wow that they're really really good which leads of course to complete legitimacy in talking about equal pay i mean you can you can prove it you can look at television ratings you can prove that more people watch x when women are in it than watch x when men are in it right i mean you can prove that yeah and and you know there's this weird interesting thing that there is, like you, you just used the, used the word competency. I mean, there's this interesting uh, credibility that women earn with physical competence that they can't earn by, like, going to MIT, you know? Hmm. Uh, it, just, it just doesn't happen, right? Like, intellectual competence is not something men um, in powerful positions necessarily recognize yet. Um, but, you know, I'll never forget how men like Larry, your friend Larry Brown or other basketball coaches treated Pat Summit. They treated her with a respect that was so interesting um, to me. Um, they, you could see their faces light up, and they'd be like, hey, Pat, you know, and they would talk to her. She had earned something from those guys that she couldn't, with all those eight championship rings, right? And, and there was a power to that that was fascinating, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I always go back to what... Um, I don't know if it's a true story, it's a, possibly apocryphal, but apparently Ed Koch, when he was mayor of New York, was trying to decide whether to let women be firefighters. And supposedly he said, look, uh, I don't care if it's a man or a woman, I just want to know if they can carry a 200-pound mayor out of a burning building. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's good for him. Good for him. All right, thank you, by the way, for mentioning MIT and, and Pat Summit at Tennessee, because it leads me into something. You're a Stanford girl. What yeah. do you think about being in the ACC? What is this? What I, do you, you know, think I, of this? I'm going to name drop for one second. I was I was emailing with Tara Vanderveer, the women's basketball yep. coach at Stanford, and and I we were both bemoaning it and uh, particularly what it's going to do to Olympic sports. At um, I mean Stanford and Cal are two of our our, our you know huge yes, yes. Uh, you know oyster beds for Olympians, right? And um, well, anyway, uh, in the exchange, like I basically said to Tara, you know, the only good thing about this is that if you're in the ACC, I can come to more Stanford women's basketball games. You know, it'll be a little more achievable geographically for me. And she said, yeah, that's the only, maybe the only silver lining. Um, I don't know, you know, the Big 12 is in this now potentially too, right? Like the ACC better stop being uh, stupid about this and sew them up or it's, I, you know, I don't know exactly where things stand, but... Um, I don't know. You know, it just, honestly, everyone, you know, this has been said a million times, not by me, but I'm going to borrow it from whoever wrote it the first time. You know, everyone has, has put the blame on the, the disintegration of college athletics on name, image, and likeness, and on the athletes. It's always the athletes who are going to destroy college football or college basketball, right? Well, no. It's always been the athletic directors. It's always been these, uh, you know, apparatchik, uh, greedy you know, prime rib eating, you know, uh, profit scarfing athletic directors who've been the biggest threat with realignment. And now they've done it. Now they've killed, you know, a, uh, a, a more than 100 year old conference and put a bunch of kids in the position of having to commute from, you know, San Francisco to Raleigh. Uh, you know, so I don't ever want to hear again uh, from any of these dudes that, that you know, somehow. Um, it's the athletes who are threatening the integrity of academia. On the other hand, you grew up as a Texas girl, I the did. daughter of Texas parents, the daughter of football parents, and now SMU, the biggest cheating school of all time and great at it. <laughs> now they're back in the bigs if they go to the ACC. Know, they're back in the bigs. SMU, what do you think of that? I, you know, I, but you know, we're Fort Worth people, so like SMU. So was it's TCU kind of a, was right. You don't T like TCU is TCU right. is the home the home school uh, for my folks, but and SMU was always the 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 snobby rich kid you know, school, bro ridden frat. Yeah, rich kid <laughs> school exactly. Yeah, exactly. So like, I really don't care about SMU's fate too much. They'll be fine. 
you know, <laughs> they'll be fine with daddy's money. Uh, it's so but, great that they are not taking money for seven years and their boosters will make up the shortfall, which is going to be like $30 million. So you want to say, you think your boosters are good? SMU's boosters are good. Sal, thanks so much. Thanks, Sal. I love being here. Thanks, Tone. Good Sally to talk Jenkins, to you. boys and girls, we'll take a break. Uh, we will come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. be so great to be able to do that that jingle always reminds me that we're coming to some resolution at the end of an episode of frazier just so great <laughs> bruce griffin so great Nigel, you want to do the bethesda bagel ad yes very excited got the bagel sandwiches today bethesda I'm bagels excited. Yeah. we love them you will as well just i wouldn't show up without the sandwiches today <laughs> was two days in a row <laughs> yeah, wouldn't I have know. been good wouldn't have been good <laughs> just go to bethesdabagels.com for the location in the dc area near you then pop on in and you'll be thrilled and I'd like to uh, give a shout-out for Adam Ferrara, a great friend, the comedian. He's going to be in Bethesda on Friday at the Bethesda Theater. Uh, showtime is at 8.30. D- doors and dinner at 6.30. Head on by. You will be greatly entertained by Adam. But not Magoobies. No, Bethesda not Magoobies. Theater. Yeah, it's the, the one right on Wisconsin. Yeah, I know where it is. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> All right, that'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say, in this dirty old part of the city where the sun refused to shine, people tell me there ain't no use in trying. Now, my girl, you're so young and pretty. And one thing I know is true. You'll be dead before your time is due. That is that is the height of Eric Burden's career as the lead singer of The Animals. Yes. yes. Before he became a long-haired, leaping gnome. Before he was terrible. <laughs> when he was the grittiest singer in all of rock and roll. Eric Burden, The Animals. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Sally Jenkins. Thanks to our sponsor, MeUndies. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please leave us a review. So now we have some emails to read, which I will do. The first one is from Bob Boxwell in Lusby, Maryland. First the Little League World Series and now the U.S. Open. Maybe PTI is being relegated. I, you know, I mean, yes, we have that sense. We're on today. ESPN2 again today, but Wilbon today. From Carl and us, we go New York. I heard the podcast got canceled. Too bad. That was a decent little show you had there. Thanks for all the laughs. Good luck in your future endeavors. From Peter Schwab and Marina Del Rey in California. I heard you talking the other day about Chick-fil-A and their restaurants being closed on Sunday. Here's something that utterly amazes me. When they were building Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, bids went out for food concessions, and Chick-fil-A paid handsomely to have one of their restaurants at the stadium. However, let's remember that there are at least eight NFL games on Sundays, and believe it or not, Chick-fil-A is not open at the stadium on Sundays. I can attest to this because I went to the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl, and they were not open even for the biggest football game of the year. But you can now get their sauces in every major retailer. Is that right? Chick-fil-A on sauce, Sundays? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. yes. If the store is open on Sunday. Uh, from Abraham in Silver Spring, Wilbon shops at Target, gets his sandwiches from Subway, and is on a first-name basis with every legend in sports, and is never surprised about anything ever. Did I get all of that right? 
Yes. P.S. Sorry to hear about PTI. It was a hell of a run. From Greg Stevenson in Mobile, Alabama. Yes, every Chick-fil-A in the world is closed on Sunday, including the one, as we just heard, on Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, home of the NFL's Falcons. So while you can eat Chick-fil-A food at the SEC Championship game, the Peach Bowl, and various concerts and other events at the stadium throughout the year, you cannot during most games involving the stadium's main tenant unless the Falcons happen to be playing on Monday or Thursday night. Say this for Chick-fil-A. They stick to their guns. Maybe we can change things at the Connie Chung rest stop. That would be great. From Carl Shea in Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, I commend the following article to you in the New York Times, and it talks about the Noah Warren wedding. Says the couple who now live in Los Angeles were married August 5th at Dragon Line Studios in Jamestown, Rhode Island, near where Mr. Warren's parents reside. Louise Gluck! A close friend of the couple officiated. She was ordained that? by American Marriage Ministries for the event. Competition for Nigel? I don't know about that. <laughs> From our friend Rupus Sharma in Lebanon, Ohio, number 48 with um, Roxy and Chuck. I think Jason Bullitt is being a little unfair to Pat. This is an important email. Pat, this is Pat 40, actually praised the song, but his two co-hosts, Dan Wetzel and Ross Dellinger, denigrated it. On the show a few days later, Dan did retract his statement partially after listening to the song a second time. Here's my feeling. Dan Byrne is a genius. If you don't yes. like Dan Byrne, that's fine. But if you want to let us give you the song so you can play it, to make fun of it is, is not fair to me. I mean, you know, you you figure this out beforehand. Am I wrong on this? No, you're, you're right. But we got to the we got to the correct solution at the end. I mean, I'm glad Pat was. Come on, this is Dan yeah. Byrne of the Snow Cone Shuffle. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Mark <laughs> Maher in North Liberty, Iowa. So let me get this straight. Tony soiled Michael's me undies by hiding them in the planter. No. <laughs> From Francisco DeFolco in D.C. While traveling overseas, my go-to fake sign-in name for free Wi-Fi in airports and trains has always been Nigel Tufnell. Thanks to Sally Jenkins' great column, my new handle is Loco Arrogancia. <laughs> From Miles in Raleigh, next time you're at the Browse About or Dunks. I've never been at Dunks. What is Dunks? You're still waiting for that uh, for that bagel from, what was it, 2013 maybe? Yeah, it's been a long time. Head up the street to Snyder's. It's on Rehoboth Avenue, Ocean Block, Southside. I was there last week visiting my mom. They have Reggie Bars and Sky Bars in stock. Wow, mm. that's really nice. Uh, from Sam Duran. Just said goodbye to Culpepper for the third time this week. Love showing off and sharing my hometown of Melbourne. Um, a true delight to be in the presence of a premium storyteller and a proper gentleman. Don't want to give away secrets, but he's definitely staying in a two-robe hotel. From Ken Williams in Birmingham, Alabama. Chick-fil-A was founded in Atlanta. The location in the Atlanta Falcon Stadium, yes, yeah, closed on Sunday. Football is played mostly on Sunday. I think they give a damn about a rest stop in New Jersey. They're all closed on Sunday. Charlie Burt, Springfield, Virginia. I'm pretty sure that even the James Webb Telescope, NASA's recent brilliant toy with the ability to see objects that are 33 billion light years away, is unable to measure the range of burns that one can receive from Sally Jenkins. Uh, As she is the only current member of the media with a proper level of fear-inducing gravitas, can she please moderate future presidential debates? And from Brandon Borzelli in Lebanon, New Jersey. If Taco Tuesday can be trademarked, then maybe you should get ahead of things and look to trademark some phrases that could be useful in the future. Choking dogs, bandwagon, that's it, that's the list. They all come to mind. (laughs) It's a great area with phrases that require a name. It's difficult to trademark, is dead to this show, when you generally need some name in front of it. I guess Edith McManus is a decent placeholder. Unfortunately, it seems like Edith Saliza has too broad of usage at this point. Brendan Borzelli makes sense to me all the time. If you're out of your bike time, everyone is always to wear white. But I still need a bit of milk, full fat, which I've warmed in the micro wave. Start to 
Concession by day. It's gonna take nine months for the kid to incubate. Boys got the fertilizer, girls getting fertilized. It's an equalizer, no one supervises. Ain't no supervisor. And my eyes, yeah, I count them like a sterilizer. Recommend it to a buddy, make a Budweiser. Practice safe sex with a latex. When she miss a period, that's when it gets serious Responsibility just from being curious hmm. The youth that's hearing is a safe climax is the point Like a pyramid, I'm serious Do what you want, but take it serious Raising the bar, but the conclusions they jump to clearing it I'm gone And the bees and the locusts in the trees There's something big going down Birds and the bees and the locusts in the trees There's something big going down Frogs in the pond, ants on the lawn There's a thumping downtown Birds and the bees and the locusts in the trees I love to feel the heat and the bees and the locusts in the trees I love to feel the heat Birds and the 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 birds and